Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cat Talk Radio. I'm your host, Molly DeVos. I'm going to answer a variety of cat questions. I get randomly asked questions that we don't really have enough meat to do a whole episode on. And some of you have thought, well, this is a good idea. I have a little question. I'm sure a lot of other people have little questions and we can make one big episode out of it. So that's what we've done. There's a little bit of something for everybody in today's show. And before we jump into that, let me welcome to the show my handsome husband and co-host, Dewey Vaughn. Hello, everybody out there in the big cat world, and hello to my beautiful wife. And how exciting this is. It's always good to have questions, and I'm glad people are asking questions. But before we get into all that, let's start off with the bonding tip of the week, like you always do. Yes, and we always do that thanks to Vitacraft. They're the makers of those wonderful cat treats. You know, they started out with just a couple cat treats, and now they've got a bunch of different products, and we're actually selling them on our store at catbehaviorsolutions.org. And I use these products because I think they're the most palatable of all other cat treats out there. So I use them a lot in shelters, and I recommend that you go check them out. So the bonding tip this week is called safe base. And what that is, is, you know, not all bonding is about cuddly, touchy, feely things. You know, we think we want to bond with more with our cats and we think that's about them spending more time sitting in our laps and spending more time, you know, snuggled up next to us. But it's not always. Bonding happens when someone feels safe around you. And that's with all beings, you know, think about people relationships you have, the ones that you have that you don't feel safe around, you're not very bonded to, right? So same thing with cats. So I recommend that you create at least one safe base in your home for your cat. And what that looks like is it could be a tall cat tree. It could be like we have, it could be steps that go up a wall that lead to a bed. Ours is 10 feet off the floor. And you make a rule in the house that anytime the cat is on that base, that cat tree or up in that bed, nobody in the house touches the cat. That's the cat's safe base. And the cat will learn that, you know, because cats need some time to themselves too, just like we do. So cats will learn that I can go up here and no one's going to touch me and no one's going to bother me. And I need a few minutes to go take a nap and have a little time out. And they'll respect you more for that. And that increases the bond between you and your cat. So take time to find a safe base and provide that for your cat. And it will absolutely increase the bond between the two of you. <laughs> you know, and giving each other a little bit of space in that regard sometimes really does help uh, because, you know, a lot of 
people I would imagine like to have their cat on their lap all the time or always petting their cat but sometimes the cat just needs that I can imagine so yeah and you know with us we put ours up so high that it's not a temptation you know I have uh I have consultation. I, I had one in particular that sticks out in my mind for a cat that was acting aggressively and they had some kids in the house. And of course the kids were so excited. It's the cat and we want to be with the cat. We got a cat. We didn't get a dog. We got a cat, but you know, we want to play with the cat like it's a dog. And I said, they had a nice big tall cat tree. And I told them when the cat goes on the tree, nobody touches them. Well, it was really hard for the kids because it's tempting, right? It's like, oh, I want to pet the cat and it's laying still and I want to pet it. And it was hard for the kids, but it really made a big difference for this cat because this cat really didn't have a safe place to go where it could get away and they need that. So in our house, because it's 10 feet up off the floor, we're not, I mean, I'm always tempted to go pet him because he's so cute when Pico's up there, but I can't reach him without getting a ladder, right? So he knows that's his safe place to go. No one's going to touch him up there. And and he does, as you know, he goes up there several times a day to go take a nap and, you know, He loves it up there. He, just like his quiet zone or his zen spot. You know? Yeah. <laughs> loves it up there. Okay, so thank you for that bonding tip of the week. Really cool stuff. Let's move on into our episode here. And I always like to have you know, listeners give us questions. And I love answering the variety of them because it really just brings out a different perspective because people are asking real questions. And I bet you get a lot of those kind of questions, don't you? Yeah, I do. And I really appreciate everybody sending us topic suggestions because, you know, as you know, this is what this is our 167th podcast. So, you know, we do run out of things to talk about. So it's always great to have suggestions. And like I said earlier, they're not always, you know, meaty enough to do a, a whole 30 minute episode on. So these are great. These are great. I love them. And they touch a lot of different topics and they're all important. Yes, they are. And, you know, it's it's so cool just kind of looking down through them. Let's start off with the first one. Um, it, it's from a local cat client and listener in Santa Fe. His name is Douglas. He asks, often we'll be in one room with one cat, Shadow, and then the other cat, Buzz, will be in the other room, and he will suddenly vocalize very loudly, insistently. To completely anthropomorphize, I'm sure I didn't get that right, but... <laughs> no, you right? did. And Yeah, anthropomorphize means to project human emotions onto something else, an object or uh, another being, right? So, uh, yeah, you did good. So, that was good. All right. So he goes on to say, it seems like the cat is complaining that he's lonely and doesn't know where he is. Our inclination, though, is to call him and let him know we're all here and where we are. That never seems to help, though. He never comes to where we are. This most often happens in the evening after dinner when we are watching TV. I think it's because he just doesn't like the channel. But <laughs> then he goes on to say, at least one time he was walking through the room we were in and he did not and he did not even look at us. So I think he's just saying, I don't like the channel. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I think what he's asking is, you know, the, the family's all in one room and one of the cats is, is in another room 
and starts meowing very loudly all of a sudden. Like, hey, where'd everybody go? And and it is funny. And so the question is, you know, why does he do that? And gosh, there could be a thousand reasons why a cat does it. I, I see it often. We we see it with Pico. You know, you'll hear it when I leave and you and Pico are here alone and you're in your office and he's out in the living room meowing loudly like, hey, where did mom go? We're not all together. But in this case, of course, Douglas is saying we are all here. And why is he doing that? I've seen it happen with cats that are older, that may be getting a little bit of senility and they really do get in another room and they go, hey, wait, why did I come in here? Uh Oh, I'm confused. Where did everybody go? Now, I don't Douglas's cats aren't that old, so I don't think that's what's going on here, but that can happen. It can also happen when they start to go deaf. They'll start vocalizing very loudly, seemingly to nobody or to themselves in a in another room. Again, I don't I don't think that's what's going on here. Um, sometimes they'll see cats outside. Everybody will be in watching TV and he'll be in the other room looking out a window and there's another cat. And he's kind of posturing, you know, vocalizing to let that cat know this is my territory. Um, sometimes maybe he's trying to get someone to come in the room he's in, to come play with him in there. You know, he's like, I like this room. Y'all are just sitting on the TV in there and I'm bored. And why don't somebody get up and come in here and play with me? Could be that. Um, Could it be the I, wrong channel? I don't think it could be the wrong channel. <laughs> <laughs> He's and, pissed off. Turn yeah, the channel it is the, the wrong channel. channel. He's like, it needs to be the live cat channel. Come over instead of just sitting there. Get up and come pray, pray play with me. Yeah. But the other, you know, and, and to that regard, it could also be attention seeking. So if your cat does this and when he does it, you get up and go looking for him. Well, he's just gotten your attention big time because you got up and came in and are probably talking to him. What's going on, Shadow? You know, Buzz, what are you doing? What are you seeing up there? What do you want, buddy? So, you know, it, cause and effect with cats is strong. So if he realizes that he's caused you to get up and come pay attention with him, that often is enough and they'll do that. But the other thing I notice that's interesting about this that he mentioned was he said it happens in the evening after dinner. And I have seen that in some cats. And I think, you know, they're digesting their food. Now, I also happen to know that that Douglas feeds his cats really well, feeds uh, a local raw-ish, I think it's, I think it's completely raw, or it's basically mostly raw, um, diet. And so it's not like these cats are eating bad food, but sometimes maybe there's an ingredient in the food that you're feeding that is making him kind of grumble a little bit, like mm, it's digesting, you know, you get uncomfortable. Maybe he's not getting, maybe he's getting too big of a meal and he's eating too much. And that also kind of makes him uncomfortable. So it, it could be digestion related. If cats aren't eating a lot of small meals a day, you know, we feed them maybe two or three times and the, the portions are a little bigger than they're naturally used to getting in a in a natural environment, then that can cause some some gut discomfort after they eat. So those are my best guesses. 
I like the note. I don't like the channel one, but okay. Let's move <laughs> on to the next one. Here's another one that came in from Nicole. She says, I would love any tips you have on how I may be able to keep my little one's teeth clean or if it is something that is naturally takes care of itself. Mm, that's a good question. And, and my answer to that is it is just like our teeth and any other species teeth. If we don't clean them, then they're going to get plaque on them, plaque and tartar, which leads to, which is bacteria, leads to bacterial infections, leads to tooth infections. Cats don't get so much like cavities. They don't really get tooth decay like that per se, but the bacteria will cause a bacterial infection, which can infect the tooth and then the tooth needs to be extracted and it's just like with people once you get a lot of mouth bacteria built up then it gets in your bloodstream and it can start to affect the other organs so no it doesn't just take care of itself per se now vets will recommend that you bring your cat in for an annual checkup and typically they'll want to do a dental cleaning you know, but when you do a dental cleaning on a cat, you have to sedate it. I mean, you can imagine how trying not to sedate a cat and doing a dental cleaning. Yeah, no. So <laughs> you have to sedate it. And I think, you know, annual sedation of a cat is a lot and it's expensive. I mean, you, you'll be lucky if you can find, you know, dental cleaning for felines under $600. So, you know, if you have multiple cats, $600 a year per cat is a, is a lot. So, there are things that you can do to help keep the plaque and tartar from building on your cat's teeth. Um, and no, dry food is not the answer. That's a myth that dry food will, you know, if the tartar is bad enough, I suppose it might knock some of it off. But by that time, it's already too much of a problem. I give Pico um, freeze-dried pheasant necks and he gnaws on them, he, you know, because the neck is too big to obviously to, to eat. And so he gnaws on it and it it's the whole thing, bones and everything, which is good. It's freeze-dried. So, and, and it's raw. So the bones don't splinter like that. And anyway, he does that and it gnaws on it and it, it gets the, the tartar off his teeth. Another thing you can do is, um, use an enzymatic toothpaste. They make it malt flavored. Cats love malt flavor. If you saw my post on fig newtons, it has a similar smell to malt and it drives Pico crazy. So you just put a little bit of this malt flavored enzyme toothpaste on your finger and you just rub it up in the gums, like the upper gum, especially on the back molars. Cats tend to get more tartar and plaque on their molars than they do on their front teeth. So just stick your finger in the side of your cat's mouth you know, when Pico was a kitten, I started doing that. I would put my finger in his mouth a lot. So he got used to it so that now that he's an adult, it's kind of no big deal. My finger goes in his mouth and it's not too bad. And he's like, oh, okay, whatever. And I can rub that stuff on his back teeth to help keep him off. And that's not gonna by itself, you know, something like freeze-dried pheasant necks and enzymatic toothpaste isn't going to keep a cat's teeth clean his whole life, but it's going to it's going to really help. Also the greeny treats, those are, those are pretty good. I definitely recommend that over dry food any day. So a few greenies will help keep your cat's teeth clean. Um, they say that raw bones also, you know, don't cook them because it's when you cook them that bones splinter, but raw bones, you know, like give dogs 
bones to chew on that you get from the butcher shop, well, you can do that with cats too. Anything that gnaws like that. So it is, uh, you can also see it. So if your cat will allow you, you know, pull back its gums towards its molars and look, you'll see a, a yellow, yellow brownish line of tartar, usually right below the gum line. The gums will be red like ours are if it's irritated or inflamed in any way. And of course, those dental cleanings get a lot more expensive once there is a infection and a tooth has to be extracted. So it, it is something you need to take care of. And uh, it's not something that fixes itself. You know, that's, a, that's probably something you should hit on because a lot of people are under the misconception that um, you don't want to feed cats chicken bones and you're talking about pheasant bones. Maybe you should talk about what that splintering does or doesn't do. Yeah, well, if you cook a bone, it, it gets where it'll splinter and then, you know, little pieces of it can get caught in your throat, which is why they say don't feed bones to your dogs, cooked bones again. But if you go to the butcher shop and you get a raw bone, well, they can gnaw on that and it's not not likely to splinter. If you're going to do chicken bones, I suggest like a drumstick and pull all the meat off of it and and like those little tiny sinewy tendons and smaller bones that are close to that big drumstick just pull all that off you can leave a little bit of meat the cattle might entice the cat to it so that it's just kind of the big knuckle on on each end and then let the cat gnaw on that it'll be it's perfectly fine oh great okay so moving on into our next question this, care, this comes from Carol D. She says, I'm feeding feral cats outside of my house, but we're moving out of state. What do I do with them? My answer is buy them bus tickets. <laughs> well, um, there are a, not any easy answers to this question, and it is a problem because, you know, it's nice to take care of the community cats outside. <clears throat> but if you move, who's going to do it? And relocating them is very difficult. If you're moving, I mean, you could take them with you. In fact, I don't know if you remember, we were in the airport. I think it was the Santa Fe airport. I remember it was a small airport. And we were behind some people that yeah. had cats in their in carriers. Yeah, that's right. And they got up to the security thing and they said, I'm sorry, but you have to take the cats out of the carrier. And I could hear the woman explaining that these were feral cats that lived outside their home and they were moving to Michigan or something and they were taking these cats with them. And she said, I, I you know, I'm not going to open this carrier and take this feral cat out and carry it through the thing in my arms. I mean, I, that's not going to go well. And it was, the line was getting all backed up and I said, let me help you. And so I was able to get the cat out of the carrier and carry one through for her so that, you know, that could safely happen. But, you know, wow, that thought was like, oh, no, now what do we do? Um, so you can relocate them, you know, with you to a new place. It, it's easier if you're driving and you're not flying and trying to take them on an airplane. But, you know, keep them in a crate in the car with litter box and food. Cover the crate. When you get to the new location, you know, have a, I like to use big wire metal dog crates, you know, that are, four foot by two foot, like that size, and put the cat in there and cover it again, leave one side open so it can kind of see where things are and keep it in that crate for 
a couple weeks till it gets familiar with the smells and the sounds and then open the door to the crate, pin it back so it can't close and keep feeding it in there. That'll kind of give it a safe place to come back to. And you can do that for another month or so, and then you can take the crate away. You got to be sure, of course, you provide, you know, warm spots for them in the winter. But I digress. That is not what she asked. What do you do if you're moving? So yeah. A, you can take them with you. B, you can go talk to a neighbor and see if one of the neighbors up and down the street doesn't even have to be like right next door. Cats have a pretty big range of movement. So it could be someone on the next street and see if you can find someone who will take over feeding for you. A lot of times, whoever buys your house or moves in next doesn't want to have the cats around in the yard. And so you can't always rely on them picking it up but see if you can find a neighbor. And, you know, I guess last ditch effort, you can try to recolonize them. You can try to find an organization, a rescue community that has managed colony feeders that might have space for a few more cats and see if they would be willing to integrate the cats into their colony. That's a, that's a long shot, but uh, that's a possibility. And other than that, I, I don't have any good answers. It it is a a great deed that you do, and um, it is also a challenge when you have to relocate. You know that's a good question. Doesn't feral cats just sort of find their way anyway and find their path? I mean, they found their way to you. Wouldn't they just automatically find their way to somebody else? Sometimes, but if there's not another food source out there, then no, that doesn't always naturally happen. All right. So if there's if they get used to eating in one spot and there's not enough prey for them, then, yeah, that can that can be a problem. You'd have to worry about them getting enough food. A lot of times. Yeah. A lot of times people are feeding them up and down the street. And if one feeder drops out, it's it's kind of no big deal. But get to know your neighbors if you're feeding outside cats and try to find out what cats are they seeing. You want to try to identify all the cats that are free roaming in the neighborhood Make sure they're all spayed and neutered. Gosh, I probably should have led with that up front. You know, make sure you're trap them and go get them spayed and neutered so that they, you know, they don't fight and cuts down on some of the nuisance behaviors. And of course, they live a little longer outside. Well, that's that's fantastic. And and um, really, you know, there, I guess there's a lot of information you could probably do about feral cats, but we could wait for another podcast for that because I know you work on those quite often in, in the work that you do because there are a lot of those. And I think that message of span neuters, a big message. It so is. moving on to the next question, this is from Diane P. She's asking, my cat has developed what looks like sores under the chin. Should I be worried about this? Hmm. Well, any anytime there's something medically going on with your cat, uh, obviously take it to the vet and rule out something, you know, not cancer growth sort of things like that going on. But typically little sore, sometimes they're black. If you have a cat with a, a white haired chin or light color on their chin, you'll see it, it looks kind of black in there. And and really it all it is is a little acne. They call it catney. <laughs> it's <laughs> from it's from like food they'll get food on their chin while they're eating and then you know it's not a place they can easily lick or clean off and so that food kind of 
creates a little bacteria and that bacteria makes, you know, little tiny sores. Usually it's nothing at all to worry about. Uh, you could, you know, you could wipe it off for your cat with a warm cloth, just some warm water. If you feel like you need soap, always just use a little Dawn dish detergent and rub that on there and then wipe it off with another clean, warm, moist rag. The warmer, the better for cats. They'll tolerate that better. But and if it really looks like it's, you know, kind of nasty and something more than just a little acne thing, a little tiny irritation, then absolutely take your cat to the vet and have it checked out. You know, you think about that. I was thinking the first thing I thought about is those people that are on Facebook and different places that are always putting little hats on their cat and it goes underneath their chin. And I was thinking, well, stop putting the hat on the, on the cat lady and it won't bother the chin. <laughs> but I guess that wouldn't work. <laughs> no. And this is usually a little farther forward than where a little hat band would go because that's kind of under their neck <laughs> this stuff usually all over shows the place up. with little chin straps on the cat yeah no no <laughs> are you are you drinking already in there <laughs> yeah spiking my coffee <laughs> okay so let's move on to the next one which is martina d and she's from italy thank you martina for sending out the question how do you rehab an aggressive or fearful cat in a shelter? That's a good question for you. Yeah. And yeah, we do have several uh, listeners in Italy, in fact, that volunteer for, for rescue groups and, and shelters. So we often get a lot of questions like this from our Italian listeners and very much appreciate it. And boy, the answer to this question is also another podcast or two long, but... You know, and, and it's one of the things that I actually specialize in is creating programs for shelters that teach staff and volunteers how to modify that aggressive behavior in a shelter. So usually, I mean, there's, let me start by saying there's two kinds of aggressive cats in a shelter. There is a cat who perhaps came from the outdoors, a colony, a community cat, a stray cat, they're often referred to, that has not had any human socialization in its life previously, typically called feral, but I don't like to use that term. And um, and it's in a shelter setting and it's just scared out of its mind and it doesn't know what to do and it's confined in this little metal cage and, you know, People are reaching for it and things like that, and it's just terrified. And it will react aggressively out of, you know, a defensive position. It's worried it's going to be hurt, that you're going to hurt it. So there are those kind. And then there are cats that are surrendered by their owners who are, again, in a strange, unfamiliar territory, which makes them extremely fearful. And they, too, will be acting out aggressively. So the latter of those two, the owner-surrendered cat, the cat that's had healthy relationships with human beings in the past, there is a path to get that cat more comfortable and less stressed in that shelter setting. And that typically, um, that typically includes matching something good with the scary environment or your scary presence. This is where the Vitacraft Lick and Lap treats actually come in. We use Lick and Lap in the shelter because 
it is just liked by 95% of the cats we come in contact with or more. It's really more like 98%. And so if I can get that cat to eat lick and lap in my presence, then that cat is going to be able to start associating me, this big scary thing, with something fabulous, that incredible lick and lap stuff. Now, sometimes I have to deliver that lick and lap on the back of a telescoping back scratcher to prevent myself from being swatted or bit. I don't want to get my hand that close. Sometimes I can get close enough to let allow the cat to take it out of the lick and lap packet. And it's really great because it squeezes up or I can dab it on the floor of the kennel or the wall of the kennel or something like that and have the cat lick it from there. And then once the cat calms down a little bit where I can sneak my hand in and stroke the side of its face while it's eating the lick and lap, then that begins a gradual desensitization process. And then, you know, I can start petting the cat and giving the lick and lap and petting this. So I'm associating that touch with something wonderful. In fact, um, Vitacraft is going to be developing a shelter program that teaches all of the things that I teach in a shelter about how to work with these cats. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And and whoever you're volunteering for in Italy could sign up for that. And that would be that would be awesome. The cats that I mentioned first that have really don't have a history of socialization with humans because there's cats that live outside that belong to somebody or might have belonged to somebody at some point or belong to several somebodies up and down a street. They're really more socialized, not to say that they're going to be any happier about being in a shelter, but they typically don't react quite as aggressively as the ones who really absolutely have had no contact with human beings whatsoever their whole lives. So those cats are very difficult to socialize. Not impossible, but extremely difficult. I'd say it's near impossible in a shelter setting. It really needs to be done in a home setting, it's particularly not possible in a municipal shelter setting. If it's a, a rescue that, you know, it's got a lot of space, a lot of volunteers and a lot of time to, to work on the cat, because it can take a long time, months, 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 years, maybe. So it's not something that I advise people to attempt in a shelter. Cats that come in that don't belong to anyone should be returned to the areas that they came from so that they can get back home faster, whatever home looks like. That could be somebody's home they accidentally got out, or it could be back to eating up and down the street from all the neighbors, or back to catching mice and, and birds and living in their colony like they have been. So, um, so that's a hard question, but, um, that's what I'll share with you today about it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Good answer. Okay. So the next one comes from Becky H and this is really cool. we got a lot of questions here. It says, I'm thinking about adopting a cat from a hoarding situation. Oh my gosh. Wow. Is there anything I should know about that? That's a good one. Yeah. So hoarding situations are like this. Ladies, typically ladies, I'm not going to say always. I've, I've seen many men and find themselves in this situation, but typically trying to do the right thing. They've got a, a really big heart and a real soft spot for cats and they can't stand to see them living on the street and they'll take in all the the little strays and orphans that walk up to the door 
and you know they'll see something at an adoption event and be like oh i don't want i want this cat to to be better and they take them home before they know it they've got 30 cats well if you if you keep a cat healthy mentally as well as physically and you keep the environment clean and enriching for a cat boy unless you have a hundred thousand square foot warehouse you're not going to be able to do that successfully for 30 cats. So oftentimes, and monetarily, I mean, who's got the money to provide teeth cleaning, by the way, <laughs> and and veterinary care, regular veterinary care and things like that for, you know, 30 cats. And sometimes it's really ugly. Sometimes it's 150 in a, in a home, you know, and, and it's, and it's a lot of, a lot of unhealthy bacteria in the environment. And I mean, it's a, it's, it can become a nasty situation for everybody. But as an adopter, typically shelters and rescues are really good about getting the cats out of those environments and making them healthy from as they, as healthy as they can from a, a veterinarian standpoint. But, and then we're all left to deal with the mental repercussions of living in an overcrowded situation. And oftentimes these cats are just shut down. These cats have not had proper socialization because who has time to pray play twice a day with 30 cats, not oh to mention my gosh, incredibly terrible. <laughs> right. And you talk about, you know, obviously say you got to have one more litter box than numbers of cats. And I assure you, they don't have space for that. And I mean, it's it. So these cats are often extremely shy and sometimes very shut down. They've come from a, a traumatic environment that has to deal with neglect, sometimes abuse. And so they, you know, they carry a lot of baggage with them. They can also be, you know, they can blossom into wonderful little beings, but typically they're a little different in their own individual way. So find out as much information as you can about the hoarding situation. Um, you know, go into this adoption with no expectations. Don't expect that, oh, once this cat gets comfortable and feels my love, he's going to come completely out of his shell and be, you know, this wonderful cat I've always dreamed of. You need to accept the cat the way he is the day he walks into your door and don't expect him to ever be different. And if that's not going to work for you for a companion animal, then consider adopting a, a different cat um, because it can take a very, very, very long time. Um, we, we refer to them in the shelter sometimes as house ferals, meaning they have not had any human socialization sometimes their entire lives these cats often end up in working cat placements because they're not social with people and yet they're not real comfortable placing them outside because they have lived indoors with someone you know their entire lives so it it's a very challenging situation for a shelter or rescue to to deal with in large numbers and um just be be cautious about what you're getting into. It's an awesome thing if you can adopt a cat from a hoarding situation. But uh, the, you know, another thing I should probably say about 
cats that come from hoarding situations is that they typically love other cats. So you probably wouldn't want to make it the only cat because they're not used to, you know, the cat to human ratio is way out of proportion. <laughs> so they're going to be much more comfortable being around other cats. And cats do learn from observing other cats' actions. So if your cat is really social and affectionate, a hoarding cat coming in is going to love being with your cat because it likes to be with cats and will watch him interact with you and learn, okay, maybe that's not so bad. And then you'll need to employ some of those techniques I just talked about in terms of how to rehab an aggressive cat in a shelter, some of that counter conditioning and gradual desensitization work. So good luck to you. And uh, I hope that hoarding cat works out for you. Yeah. Well, and, and thankfully they're, they're trying to get a, a cat out of that situation because hoarding, I just is, I think it's worse than being feral to be honest, but anyway, that's my opinion. And I'm oh, it is on. much worse because they're, you know, they're trapped in a, in a small space, typically, certainly small compared to cat per square footage. And that overcrowding is very, very hard on them mentally as well as physically. They're much better off being outside, you know, living outside where they've got a little more elbow room. I agree with that. I, I, I can go on and on about that, but I'm going to stop there and just move on to the next question and the final question. This is from Anna J. And she says, I heard about our local prison allowing prisoners to foster cats. What do you think about that? Oh, that's a great program. You know, I, I got to see that situation up close and personal. Well, not really at a distance, but one you of the prison, were you? No, <laughs> yeah, I was in prison. That's, that's Is that I new got, information? That's where I got my certification. I didn't know. <laughs> um, no, one of the shelters that I uh, was mentoring through Jackson Galaxy's Cat Positive Pro um, program, we worked with shelters and we helped teach them how to clicker train cats. And this particular shelter that I was assigned that year had a program, uh, a shelter division program, I mean, a prison program where prisoners had to earn the right to foster a cat. They were typically adult cats and they were typically behavior cats. And it, it kind of like how prisoners have to earn the right to have a job. This is considered a job within this prison. And the cat was assigned a prisoner and lived with the prisoner in the prison cell and they took care of the cat. Well, we were teaching them how to clicker train the cats so that the cats would become more engaged with people in general and them and, you know, kind of come out of their shells a little. And it was an awesome program. I mean, I, I get goosebumps just thinking about it. It was so amazing. It's amazing for the prisoner to have you know, a buddy to bond with in the cell with them. I mean, that enrichment in itself was awesome. It was awesome for them to have a responsibility and to learn to take care of another being. You know, a lot of times just having to do that and watching that being grow and thrive in your care is something nobody else can provide to someone in confinement like that. I remember they had to... Um, like they would have to get a, a sitter. They couldn't leave their cat alone for a long period of time. So they would have to get a suitable 
sitter, one of the other inmates, to stay with the cat if they were going to go, like, take another job in the prison and be away from the cat for an extended period of time. And, you know, and then holding that person accountable for entertaining the cat and taking care of the cat and continuing clicker training and stuff like that. It was amazing. And the, you know, the biggest challenge from a program standpoint was these guys got really attached to the cats and they didn't want to give them back. And cause then they would be faced with being, you know, so very alone. So it was kind of hard to get them to, to do the training they were supposed to do. Cause they were worried that as they saw it beginning to work, they thought, oh my gosh, this cat's going to, they're going to take the cat away from me and, and adopt it out. And then I'm not going to have a cat. So it was, uh, that was difficult. We had to address that, you know, that it's okay. We'll bring you another cat. This is what fostering's about. And, and, uh, and anyway, awesome, awesome, awesome program. Very, very cool program. I think it's, I think it's amazing. We did not run into any of the problems you might fear would happen in a situation like that. There, you know, there was there was no cat abuse. There was just nothing but good stuff all the way around. So if you get the opportunity to develop something like that in your community with the shelter or rescue, I strongly suggest you do that. So are we talking about uh, people in prison or cats in prison? <laughs> Is yes. this a cat prison or a prison? It, That would be a shelter. <laughs> no, you know, <laughs> uh, you know how I love municipal shelters, but it is the cat prison, right? <laughs> and yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. It's the yeah, cat so. prison. I mean, they're behind bars and uh, in a confined space, much smaller than they're used to. And they don't have freedoms that they're used to. And so... You know, and the food isn't always as great. <laughs> so, yeah, it, the the uh, equivalent to a cat prison is a municipal shelter. Yeah. And in this particular case, this prison that that the shelter I was dealing with, um, it was a, a male facility. So it was a, a men's prison. It, it didn't have women in there. And it was actually a mental prison. So I guess they had committed they had committed crimes. I think they were mostly there for life. And they had some sort of uh, mental criminal history. So, and anyway, it was it was just fabulous. It was so fabulous to see how the men grew and how the cats grew. It, it was just great. That's fantastic. Well, and here we are toward the end of our show. And I really want to thank everyone for all these questions. This really lets us know that we have a good, solid listenership out there. And having these questions is always great. And um, so if any of you listeners out there who haven't had a question or haven't sent a question, and even if you have, send more, um, and you'd like to have those answered about cats or topics you want to hear about, just email them to molly at cattalkradio.com. Yeah. And if it's not a question or you you know, you just think, hey, the whole world ought to know about this, about cats. I find fascinating. Molly, talk about this. Send me that, too, because we'd love to talk about all things cats. And I also want to invite you to help support the work that we do, because we provide this podcast to the world for free, along with a huge database of behavior resources and cat care resources on our website and other websites and 
So you, you know, I also work behavior cases for free for low income families. I mean, this is, this is what I've dedicated my life to is helping cats who can't help themselves and I'll do anything to keep cats out of shelters. So if you also share that same passion and uh, appreciate the work we do, you can send us a donation to help that work go farther. You can do that by going to catbehaviorsolutions.org and go to the store, which is called a behavior boutique. And there are a bunch of products there. Scroll down past the products to the bottom and there's different donation amounts. And you can just add whatever you want to donate to your cart and just easily check out with your credit card right there. Oh, whoa, whoa, hang on a minute. We got to go ahead and pick up a few of those treat items. Oh, <laughs> yeah, good idea. Too. Get some licking lab. There's a lot more stuff lab. to shop for before you check out on that cart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Try, we, we got greased really... all the wheels on the little carts so you can yep. push your little cart around and do more shopping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Grab you some of those Vitacraft treats. We carry them on the store, and I mean, they are amazing. Your cat will love them. They are the best. They are the best. That Vitacraft company has been around a long time and they are very good at what they do and uh, they've got some great treats out there so you guys try some of that and you want to get some treats for that positive reinforcement you know while you're in the store because molly uses that a lot she surprises a lot of people when she goes into the shelters and she uses that vitacraft treat to get those little kitties excited and Get some calm down and get some yep. like in her, and she just really does a good job. It's my people. it's my magic secret tool. <laughs> yeah, Vitacraft treats. Those are great. Lick and lap. Yep, it's the magic tool. All of those proceeds from the support from the store support the nonprofit work we do. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Also, mm -hmm. this is all volunteer based podcast to help you take better care of your cat and increase the bond between you and your cat. And we're going to keep doing it as long as shelter, shelter euthanasia, euthanasia is, is the number, number one cause, one cause of death, death in, in cats. cats. Good job. Hey. Thanks, love. <laughs> Until next time. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And keep calm and purr on. Yes. Goodbye, everybody. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program, 
on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend. 